And welcome, everybody. This is Jake Novak, and this is this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And you can find me on Facebook at Jake Novak, and N-O-V-A-K is my name, and uh, also on Twitter at JakeJakeNY, the at symbol Jake Jake twice NY at Jake Jake NY, and the reason why I'm starting with that, why I always start the show reminding people of my social media pages, is the the I would say that the the title of of this half hour uh, today is so you've gotten into a Facebook debate or a Twitter debate dot dot dot. Um, this has happened to a lot of us. I'm happy to say that the number of these kinds of debates that I've gotten into in the last few years has really gone down because of something that. My wife told me that's really, really smart, and that is you don't have to accept every invitation to an argument that you receive. <laughs> you know, there are times when you just feel like you have to respond, and uh, I got into one of those uh, just in the last 24 hours that I'll be talking a lot about in, uh, in this program. But there are times, that, but I really try to, to and I, do, I think I'm, I'm doing a better job of this, I really do a good job now of discriminating and deciding which which things are worth responding to and which aren't, and which people are worth responding to and which people aren't worth responding to. When you get, I, I often get these kinds of responses like, LOL, you know, as, as if that's a great debate uh, point, you know, or that was stupid, or, you know, little just comments like that that don't actually have any uh, intelligent point made to them or they don't flesh anything out. So I, I ignore those. Uh, when it comes from someone who I really don't think they know what they're talking about, and they're not famous or important, I ignore those two. Uh, it's just not worth it. You know, you can't get into a debate with someone who's so uneducated or so, you know, ignorant of so many facts that you have to go through every single thing with him or her. It's not worth it. That gets me out of a lot of debates. There's times when I know I'm just being baited. There's a type of person who has a Facebook page or a Twitter account, and they never actually post much of their own. They don't really post much at all, but they love to go on to my page and to start a big fight, you know, because they don't have the guts to make any kind of a point that's controversial or a statement on their own page, but they're, they're happy to do it on mine. And I try to avoid those people also. I'm so sick of it. You know, it just, it just, it gets annoying. And I know that, and the MO is kind of there and it's frustrating. So I avoid those as well. But I actually got into one just in the last 24 hours because the person who was responding was extremely educated. In fact, he's a chaired professor with a title and everything at MIT, and he's someone who I went to college with, and I know he's very well educated, and the reason why I responded is not because, only because this is a smart guy, but because the things that he was saying and, in, and, and, and the innuendo that was in there and the things that were, that were being implied were too serious and too important not to respond to, and this is something that's probably happened to many of you out there listening. Every once in a while, you'll see something, you'll, you'll post something, for example, that's pro-Israel, especially at a time when Israel's in a conflict, like when they're going into Gaza or maybe Lebanon to, to root out some terrorists, or there's, a, there's some kind of Israeli action, and you tweet something in support, and somebody you know, someone who could actually very often be Jewish, will say something along the lines of, this is a war crime, it's really, really terrible, and then you decide to push back because it's just a horrible kind of thing to say and you know it's not true and you push back hard and very typically, and tell me if this has happened, you, you can email me or better yet, 
post to my Twitter at JakeJakeNY or go on the Facebook account when I, when I post the archive of this or I do a little preview, uh, my little preview for this. Tell me this has happened to you. So you push back hard. Some, quote, friend of yours or acquaintance of yours, again, very often Jewish, implies either very explicitly or implicitly that there's a war crime being committed in Israel or something like that by the Israelis. And then you push back super hard. Like, this is terrible. How dare you? And you get very, very upset. And they push back and they answer with the, well, why are you getting so upset? You know, I'm just debating you and you're so angry. This has probably happened to you. It happens to me all the time. And there's two things that I like to say to somebody like that. So you go ahead and accuse me of either supporting a war crime or maybe even being involved in a war crime. And you're surprised that I'm angry? Clearly you A, either aren't being honest, you know why I'm angry, or you're being so incredibly obtuse that you don't understand that when you accuse someone of a war crime, especially a fellow Jew, war crime, just think about what that means for those of us who, you know, who are descendants of either Holocaust survivors or people who lived during the Holocaust. And you actually think that that's just something that should be okay in an in a, in a above-board debate? You really believe that and you don't get that someone will be, must respond to that in almost the most furious and loud terms possible? You know, for those of you who studied the Talmud, and this is a very famous uh, line from Bubba Metziah, the, the tractate of Bubba Metziah, which is all about property rights and things like that. There's a simple line, shtika kehoda'a, if you're quiet... You know, it might mean that you basically agree with it. You don't have a, a response to it. Now, that's not always true, I think, in, in the modern world. But <laughs> you, you accuse someone of being in favor of a war crime <laughs> or supporting a war criminal? Who you, someone who called it, and you don't expect a pushback of in, in anger? Of course you do. And, of course, the, the, the thing I like to say is that's like punching somebody in the face and then quickly grabbing a pair of glasses and looking at them and saying, well, you wouldn't punch a guy with glasses, would you? This happens all the time on Facebook and Twitter. It's one of the reasons why, you know, one of the, one of the real downsides of it is because that people can argue in a way that if they were in real a real life debate face to face with a person, they 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 wouldn't really be able to get away with it. I don't think people are smart enough or good enough actors to make that kind of an accusation against somebody and hold a straight face or not step back, knowing that they've crossed a line, physically step back. So an, an instance where this has happened to me a lot lately is ever since President Trump was elected. The day after President Trump was elected, you might remember there was one of the very first hate crimes. It was like a graffiti attack on a church or something like that. Uh, and it said something like, Heil Trump and, and swastikas were, posted, were, were printed on there. And spoiler alert, it turned out to be another one of these hoax, where, hoaxes where it was a person, it was a minority, it was an African-American man who was so angry about Trump and decided he wanted to slur and smear Trump supporters. And he committed what, I've, what you've heard me say on Novak Now before is a double hate crime. When you commit a fake hate crime, it's still a hate crime because it frightens the people who are supposed targets of it. And it also smears people who are innocent in the matter. So it is a double hate crime. And anyway, so a, a member of my high school class, who I hadn't heard from in forever, posted on my page, this is about a day after Trump was elected, oh, you see what you're supporting when you're a Trump supporter? By the way, I never told anyone to vote for Trump. I would not consider myself a Trump supporter because I'm not a supporter of any candidate or any party, by the way. For those of you who have listened to Novak now for a long time, you know that. I like certain policies. I dislike others. And I discuss that and I discuss political theory. I can understand why somebody thought I was a Trump supporter because I was such a harsher critic. And I admit I was a harsher critic of Hillary Clinton throughout the election. But I also published several columns giving her advice on her campaign, which between you and me, if she had taken, she would have won. 
And it wouldn't have bothered me if she had taken the advice. I knew she wouldn't. It wouldn't have bothered me because if she had taken my advice, they would have told me, hey, she's smart enough to listen to good advice. Not all my advice is always great, but in that case, it would have been. Uh, and you can look at my stuff. Just Google Jake Novak, CNBC, Hillary, and you'll see all the columns I wrote during the 2016 election giving her what was advice that she should have taken. Anyway, to get to the point, so this member of my high school class who I hadn't seen or heard from for years posts this on my wall as if I had been supportive of this kind of hate crime. And I pushed back super hard. You know why? Because to accuse someone of even being supportive or in some way responsible for a hate crime or being adjacent to, you know, supporting a group that also supports hate crime is a horrible thing to say to a person. If you don't have proof of it, if you don't even know it's true, and of course, again, turned out to be a hoax, as so many hate crimes since President Trump that have been blamed on Trump supporters have turned out to be. In fact, it's, it's not even like the most. It's just most. It's like 90%. 90% of these hate crimes. Uh, suppose, it's, it's, never, it's always been a hoax. Almost always. It's outrageous. But anyway, I push back hard because I don't ever want anyone to think for a second that I support or look the other way at a real hate crime. God forbid. Are you crazy? And to accuse, that some, uh, accuse somebody of that publicly, this is on my wall, this is for everyone to see, this isn't even like a private message, is a horrible thing to do. And just as horrible is to be supposedly shocked and ashamed and crazed that you've pushed back so hard. How dare you? Uh, I was just asking you if, you if you support hate crimes. Why are you getting so upset? <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And it happens so often, and I'm sure, again, I'm sure there are many of you listening right now on the Nachum Siegel Network here on the Novak Now program, that, and you've had this happen to you. And you have every right to be angry at someone who accuses you of supporting a war crime or a hate crime. What in the world are people thinking that they think they can just throw this around and then pretend it's called gaslighting? When you basically induce someone to act in a very angry way, you poke the bear, you know, you poke them in the eye, and then someone responds and you're like, gee, you're kind of crazy, you're, you're so mad. That's Gaslighting from the movie Gaslight, great movie with Ingrid Bergman. I highly recommend it. You can, you can rent it. But that is, that is a form of that, and it's really frustrating. So, so this happened to me again this weekend, and I'll tell you what happened, because I got into this debate. So about a few months ago, and I talked about it here on this program, I wrote a column about how, you know, President Trump, when he calls the news media the enemy of the people, which he did again on Twitter this weekend, there are too many instances when he's right. I'm sorry. I've been, a news media, I've been in the news media for over a quarter of a century. I have produced programs, thousands of them, over 25 years. And I can tell you that there are many times in this industry when we do act literally as the enemy of the people. Enemy of a lot of people in this country. And I didn't just point fingers at other people when I said that. I, want to say, I, I mentioned in the column that in the many years that I worked in local news, I, I felt like an enemy of the people almost every night. When I would put on video a perp walk, you know, not everyone who, who does the perp walk when they have the guy in cuffs is guilty. But you'll notice you look darn guilty when you do that. And I felt bad. When, I, I thought to myself, does that due process? But I felt, I guess I felt pressured, you know. I, 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 that's good video. It's, 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 it's uh, mesmerizing. You want it on television. I wanted viewers. You know, and that's many other instances. So I wasn't uh, doing something or I was just pointing it. I was being holier than thou. There have been times, plenty of times in this business, especially in my earlier days, not because I was young, but because I was working in local news where I felt like an enemy of the people. Well, ever since that column was published, you know, there's been many more instances, but before I get to that, so, I, so the, the column is published, and then again, somebody who I haven't seen in years, a guy I went to college with, who, by the way, happens to be the husband of the person who sent me the whole hate crimes thing on my Facebook page for everyone to see the day after Trump was elected. I mean, this runs in the family, I guess. 
he tweeted to me uh, an interesting, a very, in a very Jewish way, uh, and he's an Orthodox Jewish guy, or at least grew up that way. I don't know what his, his um, hashkafa is right now, so I don't want to presume. But he tweets, Jake, what was the nafkamina of that article that you wrote calling people the enemy, calling the news media the enemy of the people? And for those of you who don't know your Talmudic terms, nafkamina has a lot of different, people like to play around with the definition, but the, the definition that he was using, the one that I grew up learning, was that nafkamina means basically, what's, what, what, what's the, what do you expect to happen from this comment? In other words, are you expecting something to occur based on your, on your premise? What do you expect people to do about it? And of course, this was an admonishment in di- that was disguised as a question. He was really admonishing me. He was really saying, well, you know, people are going to go out and commit crimes against news journalists because you've, you've de- demonized the whole industry, which of course I didn't do. I didn't say the news media is always the enemy of the people. I didn't say everyone is the enemy of the people. I listed examples of when the news media, and increasingly so, unfortunately, has been acting like the enemy of the people. And again, I've I got a little experience, folks. I've been doing, I'm, not, I'm not the most the most experienced guy ever in television journalism, but you're not going to find too many people who have more experience than I do, okay? There's more successful people, sure. <laughs> but I've had 25 years of producing shows at every level, not a lot of people like me. Usually by the time you've reached my, my years in the business, they're out in something else in PR or whatever, okay? That's not me. Anyway, so I responded to him. I think it's very clear what I want, but, I, but I'll, explain, I'll spell it out for you. I want people, the nafkamina, the, the, the thing I'm hoping to happen from this column is that pe- I'm hoping people will be much more discerning and smart consumers of the news and, not stop, and really, really question everything that they see in the news media to the point that they realize that sometimes the, some of the stuff that they're putting out there is really meant to denigrate their fellow Americans and to put them in danger. And, you know, ever since I wrote that column just a few months ago, we've had three ridiculous instances of this. We've had the case of BuzzFeed printing a story with plenty of so-called confirmation that President Trump told Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. And that was such a big lie that Robert Mueller's investigators had to come out and say, that's not true. Now, the reason why they did that, and I made a mistake... Don't ever let it be said I don't correct myself on this program. I made a mistake. I was on I-24 News, where I'm producing now, and also uh, as the, the, the uh, political and economic analyst for I-24 News, which you can get if you have Cablevision or Altice, whatever you call it. I hope you'll watch it. I came on and said, good for the Mueller team for stepping up for the truth here. I think they did a great job. And in retrospect, I realized one of the biggest reasons why the Mueller team came out and said that that BuzzFeed story wasn't true is because it was a leak it made it look like that someone from their investigation team had leaked illegally something very, very important. So they wanted to make sure that people knew that that story wasn't true because if they, if they say it's not true, then, they, then no one's going to say, oh, who on the Mueller team illegally leaked that because that's a blockbuster. So, okay. But we've had that. Now, that was, a, that was a story that meant to demonize the president of the United States in a way a little bit more of a higher stakes way than, than the usual demonization of Donald Trump, which is going on all the time, sometimes deserves, sometimes not. And that was really an enemy of the people type, type story, a, a, a false story based on and, – and by the way, it turned out that the sources that supposedly gave this information to BuzzFeed hadn't actually seen or heard from the people who knew this about it. They just saw some kind of like write-up about it. They claimed to. I mean BuzzFeed never even saw the write-up of that supposed testimony or whatever it was. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous story. And when you act that irresponsibly about – in a story about the president of the United States, no matter who he may or she may be – I'm sorry, you're acting as an enemy of the people. You're misinforming them about a too important a story. But that's actually the least of the most egregious things that's happened, proving that the news media often, again, not all the news media, not all the time, I hate, I hate having to re- reiterate that all the time, but you know why I have to do it. 
But there have been other two even worse cases of the news media really demonizing the American people. Now, the first one was the Covington Catholic high school boys who were demonized not only in news stories when after the pro-life rally, they were accosted basically and gotten, you know, and just really assaulted almost, almost assaulted, but certainly accosted by all kinds of nasty types at that at rally. And then the news media decided to demonize these children, a 13-year-old child. And not only did they demonize them and say, oh, they went and they surrounded some Native American guy and, they, and some you know, African-American protesters. Again, not true, as we saw in, in, in the full video. But some members of the news media and celebrities published their personal home addresses. Some said they would like to punch him in the face. Again, we're talking about a 13-year-old child. <laughs> That's not enemy of the people? Are they always the enemy of the people? No, but in that case, Absolutely. Some of these members of the news media, even though they're getting sued, have refused to take down those tweets or even apologize. Good luck in court. I, you know, I think they're going to have a hard time not paying up or doing something to, to make retro, you know, retro, you know, some kind of restitution here. And just in the last few days, we've had this ridiculous Jesse Smollett hoax attack thing. I'm sure a lot of you listening knew it was a hoax the day that story was reported. I mean, it came out, I guess, two Mondays ago. This minor actor who almost no one has heard of, who happens to be African-American, happens to be gay, claims that he was attacked by Trump supporters yelling pro-Trump, racist, anti-gay stuff at 2 a.m. on one of the coldest nights in Chicago. Uh, and he ended up walking home with his Subway sandwich anyway. I mean, it was just the whole story just did not add up from day one. I was very vocal about it in my newsroom, saying, I think this guy is really messed up. I'm, I'm really sorry for him, but this is not a true story. And so finally, we've learned over the last few days that he paid two guys who were extras on Empire, his, his television show that he's on, to claim that they beat him up. I mean, the whole thing. Just outrageous story. But again, the news media went with it headlines. Not, the headlines didn't say alleged attack or if it's true, which is not really good either. What they should really do is, until they can really corroborate any kind of the story, you shouldn't run with it. I mean, this is, this is journalism 101. Somebody claims that they're attacked in a racial and, you know, inciting, hate-inciting way, and you just publish it? Yeah, it happened. And then a lot of them will say, well, we said in the article that it's alleged. Yeah, okay, but in your headline, you didn't. And even if you did, if you don't have any facts to corroborate the story, why are you running with it? You really need the clicks that bad. Do you really need him that badly? Come on. And that's enemy of the people because it's sought to denigrate anyone who voted for or supports Donald Trump, which is millions and millions of people. A, a hoax, hate crime, which again, as I said in the beginning of the program, double hate crime when you do that. Will Jesse Smollett be really prosecuted for this? I don't know. It's Chicago. If it goes to a jury, he may get off. I, I, I really don't know. I hope he's punished. I also hope he gets help. It sounds like he's not all there, but... You know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what to say. He may not be really mentally ill, but he certainly acted in a self-destructive, mentally ill way, at least in that situation. So maybe that was just an exception to the rule, but whatever it is, he needs help. But I, listen, I'd like to see him punished. This kind of thing has got to stop. I'm so sick of it. I'm so tired of the narrative. You know, part of me is like, wow, every time they prove it's a hoax, I feel more and more vindicated and I like to talk about it. But I'm just so tired of even talking about it. I just am. I, I can't talk about it anymore. It's just every single hate crime that they blame on Trump or his, or his supporters, it, it, it turns out to be phony, including the um, BBC cameraman who was attacked by a, quote, supposed Trump supporter at Trump's rally last week. Turned out it wasn't a Trump supporter. It was someone wearing a Trump hat. 
but it was somebody else and it you know it, it was another frame up job and a real trump supporter is the one who pulled him off the cameraman and and helped him and 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 helped to uh, you know diffuse the situation again i could talk about this all night i could i could have a you know for for the whole day i could have several novak now uh programs here on the Nachum Siegel Network, going through every one of these hoax hate crimes, every one of these phony things that have gone on, and 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 maybe you'd think, hey, Jake's feeling great about a lot of things. I'm not. Because, and, and the answer is I'm not, because it's, it's enough. <laughs> At some point, the bad behavior just becomes nauseating, no matter how much you document it, no matter how much it proves you right. And I've made mistakes about a ton of things. Okay? But I don't need to be proved right all the time when these things go on. It's, it's enough already. I just want it to stop. And unless Jesse Smollett's really punished, I, I mean, even if he is, it may not stop, but maybe, maybe some of it will stop. Maybe the next two-bit actor who thinks he can advance his career or do whatever won't do it. I, I don't know. Maybe the next celebrity or politician, and oh, I mean, almost every politician immediately jumped on the story and talked about how this is terrible and Trump's America is causing this kind of racism. Nancy Pelosi did, Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, they all did it. Some of them have deleted that, that's, those tweets Nancy Pelosi did, I understand. But no apology. No, hey, I'm sorry I insinuated that the president had something to do with a racial and, and gay bashing attack on somebody that turned out not to happen. I'm sorry. And we're never going to hear that. We're just not. And I'm just so sick of it. So anyway, after the – something snapped in me uh, you know, t- uh, yesterday or this morning after the Jussie Smollett thing was just completely, really documented and, and debunked. Again, I didn't need it to be debunked. I, I, I knew it was baloney the first, in the first place, and I'm sure a lot of you did too, people who are a lot smarter than me probably. I mean, we all know. We all knew. But finally, what I did is I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to respond to this guy who challenged me with the Nafka Mina tweet and say, BuzzFeed, Covington, Jesse Smollett. These are three examples of the news media acting like the enemy of the people, and people believe them. So many millions of Americans believe this bad behavior. That's the Nafkamina. I want them to stop believing this nonsense. And I want it to start now. And you know what his response to me was? Well, a lot of people think that it's wrong that you're demonizing the whole news media, which I never did. So being intellectually dishonest, which is another thing you see on Twitter and Facebook all the time. There's an intellectual dishonesty. You'll say something like, like I did, hey, the news media a lot of the time is acting like the enemy of the people. And the response is, well, why did you demonize the whole news media and say they're always the enemy of the people? I mean, it's just, it's a lie. You know, it's intellectual dishonesty that people get away with in academia all the time. And, you know... My, my immediate response, I was thinking, and I never said this to, to him, but I should have said, like, you know what, if you had written an article about how things are bad at MIT, or there's some kind of corruption or things are wrong at MIT and you want to fix it, it would never in a million years occur to me to tweet to you out of the, out of the, out of the blue, hey, you're wrong, even if I thought you were wrong. Because you actually teach there and live that life. But you have no problem deciding to tell me that, you know, I, that you know better about my own industry. Incredible. And again, I know a lot about academia. My father is a full-time academic for many, many, many years, decades and decades. He has a named endowed professorship. He's had it at two different universities. He is very successful in that world. And let me tell you something about him. Every day, I quietly thank God that my father had to live in the real world and work in a real-world job. You know what his real-world real world job was? He was a pulpit rabbi. And that, that, for those of you who know what it's like to be a pulpit rabbi, that's the real world. That's where you really have to dance to a lot of masters. You've got to make a lot of people happy. You can't, you don't have tenure. There's no such thing as tenure for a pulpit rabbi, okay? I know some of them say they have it. And the fact is that you're always under a lot of pressure. 
you're in a real world, world situation. And I, I'm so thankful that for 23, 24 years, my father was a pulpit rabbi before he became a full-time academic because he understands the real world. And, and even though he has 24 years as a pulpit rabbi, he doesn't go around from his position as a Jewish scholar and a professor, PhD in philosophy and all that kind of stuff, going around telling pulpit rabbis what to do. He doesn't even say bad things in public about his former movement, the conservative movement. My father was a conservative rabbi, and he left the conservative movement not just to become a full-time academic, but because he felt that it had moved too far to the left, that halachically it was now in, an, in a non-halachic zone. And while he was a conservative rabbi, he was very publicly critical of them. But once he left, he stopped because he's no longer a member there. And it's just like, it's kind of like a guy uh, bad-mouthing his ex-wife. It's not nice. So he doesn't do that publicly. And my point being, I know a lot about academia, but it's secondhand. So if somebody in academia came out and said something, even if they said something great about academia that didn't have to do with, it, with me, in other words, if a professor comes out and says, hey, academia is great, it's worth the 60 grand that we want you to pay for your children, I feel like I have a right to say something about that because I'm one of those people who's going to have to pay that for my children. But if they came out and said, hey, this is bad in my department, or this is great in my department from about academics only, that doesn't have anything to do with me as a potential consumer or a parent, it wouldn't even occur to me in a million years to publicly say, oh, no, you're wrong. Uh, and that's not what I think. What's the nafkamina of you saying this nice thing or bad? Th- it just—it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's the hubris of so many academ- academics who think they can talk about people who live in the real world and work in real fields. You know, it, it's just like, what do you think you're doing? It's outrageous. But this is the kind of thing that happens on Facebook and on Twitter. You know, you get into these debates with people, and again. Listen to what I said at the beginning of the program. Most of these invitations to an argument you should not accept. Just forget it. But I get it if they're accusing you of war crimes or supporting war crimes or or hate group stuff, all that kind of stuff. If you want to respond to that, I get it. Because that's just too serious a comment to leave out there in, 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 in the world. I mean, you want to delete it instead of arguing back? I guess that's okay. I've done that too sometimes. But you can't, I, I felt like I couldn't let that hang out there because what was happening in the original comment that was sent to me after I wrote the column about the news media often being the enemy of the people was it was an admonishment in the form disguised as a question. He was really saying to me, hey, you're going you're gonna to get journalists killed. You're demonizing the whole industry. This is terrible. And I thought to myself, gee, is, is there anything that you can't say that about? If a doctor is committing malpractice, are you supposed to shut up about it because all doctors might get killed by it? If an illegal immigrant murders someone, are you not supposed to talk about it because all illegal immigrants might get smeared? How stupid do you think people are? You know, we're sitting here in a country that after 9-11, were there any mass mob hysteria attacks on Muslim people? And don't write me back with about those two or three incidents that happened to one, one or two people, which I absolutely do not condone. But it's ridiculous. Of course, we didn't have mass riots in this country. We didn't go round up Muslims. We didn't go beating them up in, in angry riots. So if that didn't happen after 9-11, I think that we can stop with this homophobia crap and this, oh, don't say anything about illegal immigrants, even if, even if one of them did kill somebody. Because when you do that, what you're really doing is you're blowing a dog whistle for everyone to hate illegal immigrants. It's just not true. I'm sick of that narrative also. My, my point is, sometimes you do have to get into one of these battles on Twitter and Facebook. Because if someone is maligning you to a point of calling you a war criminal supporter or a hate crime supporter or someone who's willing to demonize, you know, threaten the, the safety of individuals, then you have to respond. And I responded. And it's time to stop with this nonsense. 
these hoax fake these hoax hate crimes these phony intellectually dishonest arguments about oh well we can't talk about kate steinley or other people who've been murdered by illegal immigrants because then people will hate and attack all immigrants which is just not true in this country get it we don't throw justice out because you're worried that there's going to be a mob mentality one day justice is justice this is Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.